Good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? How we all doing this morning? Doing good? It's my Elevate Nights crew over here. Uh, this morning, I'm going to need your help this morning. I don't like speaking when it's quiet. Uh, it just makes me feel like I'm doing a terrible job. So I want, I'm going to ask for your help this morning that you would be engaged, you would be involved uh, throughout this morning service, throughout this message, as you would let me know that I'm doing an okay job and then I'll keep going. Is that cool? Can we do that? So this morning, I'm excited to continue with our theme this month, 10 Code. And uh, before I go any further, I want to recognize, didn't Bryn do such a great job last week? I mean, you guys remember that message from last week? Bryn did such an amazing job. He talked about, if you remember, being 10-11. Does anybody remember what that means? Talking about being 10-11 available on radio, listening. That's what, that's what Bryn talked about last week. And he talked about three things that we can do that will help us hear from God. He talked about three things that will help us hear from God. And the first thing he said is that God does not compete with noise. How many of you guys know that God does not compete with noise? And we live in a very a noisy world, Right? There's a lot of noise around us. Social media is noise. Politics is noise. Fear is noise. Entertainment is noise. Sports are noise. But the Cleveland Browns are music to my ears right now. But God doesn't compete with noise, right? Where are my cowboy fans at? Hey. Uh, so the second thing that he said is God is persistent, right? He said that God is persistent if his voice is rare in our lives, it's not because he's not speaking to us, it's because we're not listening for it. How many of you guys remember that? God is persistent. The third thing he said was that God models what he expects from us. God models what he expects from us. He said we forgive, why? Because he forgave. We love because he loved first. We are to die to ourselves because he died for us, right? God models what he expects from us. And I would just like to re-emphasize this morning that we need to come in this place 10-11. We need to come to church on Sunday morning on radio listening. We need to come expecting to hear from God. When we come on Sunday morning, when we come on Wednesday night, when we come on Friday night, we need to come expecting God to speak to us, right? And I think this is something that we tend to forget a lot. Uh, you know, I remember, I mean, I've been going to church for a while now. I think. Uh, I'm young, I know, but still. And, uh, you know, I remember I'd come to church and I would be like, God, I, God, speak to me this morning. Speak to me tonight. I would, I would say that I, want, I would want God to speak something into my life, right? And so you come to church and uh, worship is awesome. It's fun. It's energetic. And then uh, the pastor starts speaking and he, uh, he pulls out his huge, my grandpa pulls out his huge Bible that he's had for like how many years? Gosh, probably since he's been saved, it's probably the same Bible. <laughs> the thing's going to be like a relic one day. It's just going to be saved in the history museums. Uh, but um, I would come I'm expecting God to speak to me, right? And then the pastor brings out the Bible, and they're like, we're going to be reading from here. And then instantly, you're just like, what's for lunch, right? What's for lunch? What's the score of the Cleveland Browns game right now, right? Like that's, your mind just starts going places. Because we live in a world that's full of noise. And so I, I, my prayer today is that we can block out the noise. That we can block out that noise and we can hear from God this morning. Come on, are you with me? Amen. So I'm excited to bring this word today. I'm excited. Are you ready? Yeah? So this month we're talking about 10 codes. 
We're talking about 10 codes, and hopefully now you're familiar with what the 10 codes are. And if you're not, the 10 codes are a communication system used by law enforcement to make their radio exchanges clearer and more efficient, right? The most common one in these is 10-4, right? 10-4. I didn't even know there was any more other than 10-4 until we started doing this theme. But 10-4 is the most common one. So we're talking about 10 codes. And to be honest, I'm not very familiar with 10 codes. I, I, I'm not very familiar with walkie-talkies or radios. I'm just not. I grew up in the 2000s, right? Like, we don't use those anymore. <laughs> Brent talked about it. Like, me and my sister, we'd have walkie-talkies in the house. <laughs> you know, he'd like making the... I don't know why you make the, the noises of the walkie-talkie if it's a walkie-talkie. But, uh, you know, and then, uh, so when I was growing up in fifth grade, I got my first phone, okay? It was a BlackBerry. And that was, that was, that's probably the closest experience I have to a BlackBerry and, or to a, to a radio. And how many guys had Blackberries? The, like, OG smartphone. I wanted a BlackBerry for one reason, Brick Breaker. How many of you guys remember Brick Breaker? It's just like the never-ending game where all you do is just hit a ball into bricks and they break. It was just great. But it was also very frustrating, you know? And uh, this has nothing to do with my message, but there's, this, there's, a story, there's a story that I want to share because one of, one of the things I love about speaking is I can share stories and people listen to them. It, I, it's just great. And so uh, I was in fifth grade. I had a Blackberry, right? And about six months later... Christmas comes around and all my friends are coming to school with smartphones, like real smartphones, not Blackberry smartphones. And, uh, and so I had, everyone was coming with the iPhone and the Motorola Droid, right? Those are the, those are the top two, like that's what everyone wanted. And uh, I remember I was like, dude, I want one of those, but I knew I wouldn't get another phone until my phone didn't work anymore. I just knew that's what was going to happen. And uh, my parents actually don't know this, so this is the first time they're ever going to hear about it. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, so I'm coming home from school one day, and, uh, and uh, I'm like, man, I really want a new phone. My dad has an iPhone 2 sitting in his drawer that nobody's using. I was like, I could have that phone if my phone stopped working. That's my mindset, right? So I, I go home from school and uh, walk in the laundry room, and the washing machine is mid-cycle. Right? There's, there's no one there. It's just me. It's mid-cycle. And like mid-cycle to where, you know, you, you lift up the top and there's just water and all the clothes are below it, you know? And so I just slip it out of the pocket and drop it in there. Oops. You know, like, oops. Like, <laughs> there's no way this phone will survive this, right? So then, then uh, we wash it, whatever. My mom takes all the clothes, puts them in the dryer. We dried it too. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> they didn't see it in there. And, uh, and so we dry it, pull it out of the dryer, turns on, <laughs> works. I was like, are you, s no way, <laughs> no way. And so then I did it two more times, it stopped working, and then my dad bought me a new Blackberry. How many of you know that? That's how it works. But, so that's, that's, that's my familiarity with radios and walkie-talkies, right? I don't know much about them, uh, but... Um, as I was thinking about this message today, I think that God has given me a word for our church. I believe that God has given me a word for our church in the season that we're in, and I'm excited to share it with you. And so this morning, we're going to be continuing on with the 10 codes. And as you guys would know, the date is 1018. So we're going to be talking about 1018. And 1018 means this. It means priority. Someone say priority. 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 And when I first read about this, 
was telling Bryn, because we work in the same office, and, uh, and I was like, man, that sucks. Because I was just like, man, I don't, it's the, past, it's the senior pastor's job to talk about priorities. I want to talk about something fun. You know, like, like priorities aren't fun. You know, you got to make sure you give your tithe. You, and <laughs> you got to make sure you make time for church. You know, and, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm 20 years old, I'm young, and I feel like most people wouldn't care if I said, you have to get your priorities right. I feel like it wouldn't go over well. And so I was kind of bummed about it. And then after Sunday's message, I felt God shift me in a different direction. And, uh, and the direction was this, I was, sitting, I was sitting at home, and all of a sudden I pictured a movie scene. How many horror fans do we have over here? I, I mean... Don't get mad at me, okay? There's, there's a few. At the 8.30, there was no one. It, it was just dead silent. Uh, they couldn't believe I said horror film. But so every horror, every thriller movie has this one scene in it, okay? And so I picture this dark night. It's dark, right? It's really foggy. Really, like, just mist everywhere. And so all you see is this open parking lot. And there's one cop car in there. Right? And so then the camera zooms in on the cop car, and it shows the cop sitting there, he's eating donuts. Right? Because for some reason, cops in horror movies are always fat. But they're sitting there, and they're, they're eating donuts. And then his radio goes off, right? And they're telling him, oh, we have a disturbance over here, whatever. You know, and what does the cop do? He turns off the radio and keeps eating his donuts, right? That's, just how, that's the plot of every horror movie, every thriller movie, that's what happens. And so I couldn't get this image out of my head. And uh, I know it's a very weird thought, but I couldn't get it out of my head. And started to cause me to think, I wonder how many Christians are living their lives exactly like that. I wonder how many Christians have been 10, 11, on radio and listening. How many Christians have even heard from God? They've heard the voice of God, but they choose not to respond to it. How many Christians are sitting in a parking lot eating donuts, and they're not responding to the call of God in their lives. And it made me start thinking like this. In Matthew twenty-two fourteen, 14, there's a very famous story. And Jesus' talk, says this, For many are called, but few are chosen. And I believe this is one of those scriptures that's constantly read over. It's read over a lot, but I feel like people don't take enough time to dissect what this scripture is really saying. And so what's happening here is Jesus is teaching a parable. He's teaching about... He's, a king is throwing a wedding feast for his son, right? So he sends out the invitations to all friends, family, whatever. All the people that they want to come, they get the invitations. So then he sends the servants out and tells them, like, go make sure they're coming. And every single one of them calls in and they say, oh, I'm not going to be there. And they give an excuse why, right? They're just like, oh, I'm not going to be there. I don't know, you know, I got to work on the farm, you know, like something. Uh, and so all these people are calling in. So then the king goes... He sends his servants out and he says, go out to the main streets, invite everybody you see. Invite everyone you see. And then the story ends and it says that the feast was full of people. And so when we read this scripture, for many are called, few are chosen, what it's doing, it's painting a picture of for us, everybody was invited to the party. Everybody was called. Everybody was invited, but not everybody showed up. Right? Not everyone showed up. I believe that every person in this room, you have a calling. 
I believe that every person in this room, God has given you a purpose. God has given you a plan. God has given you something to do in your life. And there's nothing that you can do and there's nothing that you will do to get that taken away from you. God has a purpose for every single person in this room. But the question is, is that how many people actually will answer that call of God in their life? How many people will actually respond to the call of God? So last week, Bryn shared three things that would help us understand how to hear from God. But the truth is that it can't stop there. It can't stop at hearing. We cannot stop when we hear a call from God, but we actually have to respond to it. So this morning, I want to take a look at three things that will help us respond to the call of God on our lives. Are you ready? If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to be focusing on this story of Elijah and Elisha. We'll be flipping around a few pages, but I'll encourage you, pull out your Bible, turn to that. 1 Kings 19, starting with verse 19, says this. So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. It's a terrible name. Um, and it says that he was plowing the 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. And then we see this, Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. So I want to stop right there, because it's kind of a weird picture, right? This, this guy, Elijah, he's a prophet, a famous prophet, and he's walking, he sees this boy, like, working on the farm, like Bryn. Like, imagine, like, a young Bryn working on a farm. And, uh, and so he comes, and this random dude just takes off his cloak and throws it over him. And it's just weird. Who does that? Uh, and so I started thinking, like, what, is, what does this mean, okay? And so the word cloak could actually be replaced with the word mantle. The word mantle. And a prophet's mantle, what it was, it was a symbol of authority and responsibility that God had chosen them. That's what the mantle was. The mantle symbolized that they were wrapped in God's authority. It showed that they have been chosen by God. Okay, so that's what this coat represents. So in this story, we have this picture of Elijah, or Elijah, and he's calling Elisha. He's throwing his mantle over him. He's putting a calling on him. He's taking the authority that God had given him, and he's laying it over Elisha. So it's this picture of, I have chosen you. I have called you. That's what we're seeing right here. I am passing on the authority that God has given me. I'm passing it on to you. Okay? And Elijah knew exactly what was happening. Elijah knew what was going on. But the question I want to ask today is why Elijah? Why did God choose Elijah? Why did Elijah get this huge, massive calling? Who was he? Elijah was just an ordinary dude, right? Just an average Joe. That's who he was. John Appleseed, as Apple says it. But this is who Elijah was. He was nothing special, right? He was just carrying on the family's business, working on the farm. That's all he was doing. His dad sent him out to do chores. You know, like this is, this is the kind of person we're looking at. He wasn't the son of a prophet. He wasn't the son of a priest. He hadn't taken classes about how prophecy works. And he, he hasn't done any of this, right? He has no experience in this field. So why did God call Elisha to take on this massive task of following one of the greatest prophets that ever lived? You ever wondered that? Like why? Have you ever asked God, why me? This is kind of what's going on right here. Why Elijah? So I believe that Elijah has three characteristics about him in this story that separate him from everyone else. And I believe that those three characteristics we're going to look at this morning are the same characteristics we need to respond to the call of God 
on our lives. Are you ready for the first one? Yeah? The first one that Elijah had that we need is radical faith. Someone say that. Say radical faith. Responding to the call of God on your life is going to require you to have radical faith. It's going to require you to have radical faith. Answering the call of God requires it. 1 Kings 19 verse 21 says this. So right after Elijah throws the mantle on him and calls him, we read this. Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to all the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So Elijah's reaction to his calling was radical faith. Right? His reaction was there's no other option kind of faith. Right? Not just like this weak little faith, like, I guess I'll try it. No, it was like, no other option, one way, I'm not going to do anything else kind of faith. It was a nevertheless kind of faith. That's what Elisha had. And his first response was this faith. And it's kind of crazy, if we think about it. Because what is he doing? What is he doing? He's, he killed all the oxen. What is that? That's his livestock. Right? That's... That's, that's all he had. And then he burned the plow. What is that? That's, that's basically his identity. That's who he was. He was a farmer. He was a farm boy. He worked on his dad's farm. He burned it away. He cooked the oxen and fed it to the people. He gave himself nothing to look back on. I'm not going to give myself anything to look back on. He said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with everything I've got. I'm not even going to give myself the option to regret it, the option to look back. I'm not even going to give myself the option to return. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. His first step was radical faith. And I think we can see this same thing play out in the life of the disciples in Matthew chapter 4. This is a story where Jesus is calling the disciples for the first time. And we read this. Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brothers. They were Simon and Andrew, his brother. They were putting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fish for men. At once they left their nets and followed him. I've always thought this, this story was very weird too. Uh, like it's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it's just weird. Because put yourself in the disciples' shoes, you know, like you're a fisherman, so you're out on the boat. Like that's your everyday, you know, normal, whatever. This is before Jesus had really established himself as the son of God. It's before he had done any miracles. He hadn't really done all this stuff yet. And so if you're a fisherman, you see this random dude walking up on the beach. That's basically what it is, right? Right, you see Jesus walking up on the beach and he, uh, he, he calls me, he's like, I'll make you fishers of men. It's a very bizarre thing to say, you know? And they're just like, okay. And they just drop the nets and they leave, right? It's super bizarre. And then it goes on in verse 21, it says, going from there, Jesus saw two other brothers. They were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee. And they were sitting in the boat with their father attending their nets. Jesus called them. Listen to this. At once they left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. Okay, so now picture, now picture this one. They have the disciples in there and they're, they're with uh, James and John. They're with their dad. And you got to think the dad's probably like thinking like, what's, what's happening? You know, because this random dude again, he's, he's like, hey, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, imagine, as a parent, just picture a random dude telling your kid that. Like, that's, that's what happens, right? He's like, I'll make you fish with the men. And they're like, bye, Dad. And they just leave. You know, like, that, this is what happened. But before they could become disciples, before they could do all the amazing things that God had called them to do, before they could establish the church and do all these things, they had to leave behind something. 
right? They had to leave behind what they were. And what I love about the disciples is that they had to leave behind their identity. Because the disciples, what did it say? They were fishermen. That's what they were known for. That's the kind of people they were. They had to leave behind their identity to take on the identity that Christ had given them. In order to step towards something, you have to be able to step away from something. You have to be able to step away from something. Faith was Elijah's first response. Faith was the disciples' first response. Faith needs to be our first response. When God calls us, we need to respond in faith. Do you believe that? So the first thing we need to respond to the call of God is radical faith. The second thing, I like this one. You ready? You ready? Come on, we're ready, right? So the second thing that we need is indubitable obedience. I know like people that don't know me are like, that kid for sure went to college because I just used that word. Indubitable obedience. And what indubitable means, it means no questions asked. No questions asked. This is the kind of obedience we need in our walk with God. First Kings chapter 19 verse 20 says this, Elijah then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'm coming with you. One thing we can all recognize in this story is that you don't have to fully understand to fully obey. Right? You don't have to fully understand to fully obey. You don't have to know all the details to do what you're told. I think most parents can relate to this. Right? You tell your kids, go clean your room. Why? Like, you know, like, there's no one coming over. It's just me, you know, like, why? And one of the, the parents say, because I told you so, right? Or you tell them, you know, I was always the why kid when it came to weeds. Go pull the weeds. Why? They're just going to grow back anyways, you know? Because I told you so, right? Or go take out the trash. But the trash is half empty. I told you to take out the trash, so you just go take out the trash. You don't need to know all the details to fully obey, right? And that's what I love about Elijah. He just said, I'm in. He just said, yes. Matthew 5, 37 says this. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And what I've noticed in my life is this, is that God isn't looking for somebody who checks off all the boxes. He's just looking for someone to say yes. God isn't looking for someone who can. He's just looking for someone who will. Elijah wasn't the most qualified person to be next in line. He was not the most qualified person to take Elijah's place, but he was the most willing. He was the, he was the one person that we knew could say yes. We knew that he would stick with it. Pastor Adam nailed this on the head at our conference, and now that's the second time I've referred to my dad as Pastor Adam. But he nailed this on the head of our conference. He said, I may not be God's first, fifth, 100th choice, but I know I'm going to be his last, right? Whatever God has in his heart, he can count on me to get it done because I'm going to do what God has called me to do. This is the kind of obedience we need in our life with God. This is the kind of obedience we need in our walk with God. Most people don't have this kind of obedience, most people don't have this kind of no questions asked obedience. And I know personally in my life that there's been times where I've lacked this. I've lacked this kind of obedience. Matthew 19, verse 21 through 22. 
says this, what do I lack? And Jesus answers, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. When the young man heard this, what does it say? He went away sad because he had great wealth. He couldn't do it, right? He wasn't able to do it. He didn't have the no questions asked kind of obedience. We read in Luke 9, I just want to skim through this. It says this, that as they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you anywhere you go. And Jesus says this, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So it shuts down the first person, right? Now another person comes, I'm going to come, but let me bury my father first. And Jesus says this, and this is like the most like savage Jesus scripture you'll ever read in the Bible. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the gospel, right? It's just like crazy thing to say. So he shuts the second person down, then the third person. I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say my goodbyes. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. All these people that we just read about right now, they were not able to do it. Right? They weren't able to. They couldn't. And can I be honest with you this morning? God isn't looking for someone to say maybe. God's not looking for someone with a conditional yes. God is looking for someone that has indubitable obedience. He's looking for someone that has a no questions asked kind of yes. God is looking for somebody to jump all in. Come on. Are you all in? Yeah. So the second thing we need is indubitable obedience. Are you ready for the last one? Yeah. This is where I want to spend the majority of my time this morning. Because I think it's the most important. The third thing we need is self-motivated persistence. Self-motivated persistence. In 2 Kings chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're continuing on with this story of Elijah and Elisha. And so now Elisha's been following Elijah for a while, right? And so they're traveling, hanging out together, doing God's work together. This is what they're doing. And so we read in 2 Kings 2 verse 1, it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were walking on their way from Gilgal. So Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And I want you to underline this in your Bible, it says this, but Elijah said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will never leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And then verse 3 says, a company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elijah and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? He said, yes, I know, so be quiet. I love that. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord is sending me to Jericho. And he replied, underline it again, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Again, the company of the prophets in verse 5, the company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elijah and said, don't you know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know. So be quiet. Okay. And then we read in verse 6, Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord is sending me to Jordan. And he replied, underline it one more time, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked off. What separated Elisha from everyone else was self-motivated persistence. 2 Kings 2.2, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Elijah was always there. Elijah was always, even when it wasn't required of him, even when it wasn't expected from him, and even when he was asked not to be, 
He was always there. Even when Elijah said, Elisha, God is calling me to Bethel, don't come. He said, as surely as the Lord lives, and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. He had self-motivated persistence. And I believe someone needs to hear this today. I believe that it doesn't matter how imperfect you are or what you've done, that God can use you. But I believe that all we have to do in order for that to happen is just remain faithful. I believe that if we just remain faithful, God will use you. I believe that if you just remain persistent, God will use you. I believe if you'll just be there, God will use you. It doesn't matter what you lack. It also doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you can do, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you can do if you will just remain faithful. If you will just be persistent, if you will be there, God will use you. God will use your life if you will just be there. All you need, all you need is self-motivated persistence. There were a lot of people that were more qualified than Elisha. There were a lot of people that were more qualified than Elisha, the farm boy, right? The guy that had no experience. Why, why Elijah? Why the one who no one thought would ever do it? Why, why him, right? Because you can still ask this question here, why? What happened to the other prophets? Elijah wasn't the only prophet walking on earth. What happened to all the other people that should have been next in line? The people that should have gone after Elijah? There's a story in 2 Kings 18. The page right before Elijah calls Elijah, you have this story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Okay? And this is a story that is very famous in the Bible. A lot of us would recognize this story. But what's going on is you have Elijah, and he's in this, he's in this battle. Right? He's fighting against 450 prophets of Baal and 450 prophets of Asherah. Okay? So you've got a total of, what, 901 prophets. Right? And so you have Elijah by himself, and then he's, he's going against 450 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Asherah. And I just want to ask the question, where was Elijah's team? You know? Like, you got 450 for each of the other um, each of the other gods, but Elijah's by himself. Isn't that kind of weird? Right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, why is he standing there? There was more prophets. Where were they? Where were they? In, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 4, it says this. It says, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and he had hidden them in two caves, fifties in each, and he supplied them with food and water. So while Elijah is in the battle of his life, Right? While Elijah is going against these other prophets, the people who are most qualified to be next, the people that were most qualified to follow in Elijah's footsteps were scared, hiding in a cave, watching from a distance. The people that should have been there weren't there. Right? The people that should have been next were not there with him. So why Elijah? What qualified Elijah over everyone else who seemed to have an advantage over him? over everyone else that seemed to be better fit for the position. What qualified Elijah more than everybody was his persistence. It was the only thing that separated him from everybody else. It was the fact that his response always was, as surely as the Lord lives, and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. Even when people tried to talk him out of it. In 2 Kings 1.3, we read about the the company of the prophets, and they go, to, they go to Elijah and they ask, don't you know the Lord is going to take you? 
Are the Lord's going to take your, your master? Who's not taking him? Uh, don't you know the Lord's going to take your master from you today? And he, what did he say? I love it. He just says, yes, I know, so be quiet. Right? I feel like sometimes fulfilling your calling is going to require you to shut some people up around you. If your persistence is fed off encouragement from others, you will never make it. If it's built from other people, you will never make it. Sometimes, in order to do what God has called you to do, you're going to have to shut some people up. There are going to be times where people try to stop you. There are going to be times where people are going to try to slow you down. There's going to be times where people question what you're doing. But we need to learn to shut the crowd up. And we need to learn to respond and say, As surely as the Lord lives, I will not leave you. We need to build up some self-motivated persistence. We need to be able to keep pushing forward even when everyone seems like they're pushing back against us. We need to be able to keep pushing forward. And the truth is that persistence pays off in the end for Elisha. It pays off for him in the end when we read the second half of that chapter, 2 Kings chapter 2, starting with verse 7. It says this, 50 men from the company of the prophets went and they stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha were, had stopped at Jordan. Verse 8, Elijah took his cloak, he rolled it up, and he struck the water with it. The water divided from the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do before you before I am taken from you? And Elijah's response is this, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Verse 10, you have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. If you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will, be, it will not be. As they were walking along the road and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. And then underline this, Elijah saw this. Elijah saw this and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took a hold of his garment. He tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak, his mantle, and that had fallen from him. And when he stood on the bank of the Jordan, he took the cloak that had fallen. He struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water with it, it divided from the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Persistence paid off for Elijah at the end. It paid off. What is, what, is, what is happening right here? Elijah's about to go, right? He's about, he's about to go up to heaven, never to be seen again. And then Elijah, he tells Elijah, what do you want? What can I give you before I go? And Elijah says, I just want a double portion of your spirit a double portion of your anointing. And he says, if you see me taken up, then you will have it. And the Bible says that Elisha saw it happen. He saw the mantle fall. He picked up the mantle. He picked up the authority that Elijah carried. And the Bible says that he hit the water. The water split in two. What does that show us? It shows us the power that was in Elijah is now living in Elisha. And the question is, where were the other prophets? Right? Where were the prophets that were telling Elijah, don't you know the Lord's going to be taken from you today? 
or the, your master's going to be taken from you today. Don't, where were the prophets that were up hiding in the cave when, when Elijah was fighting against Baal and Asherah? Where, where were they? The Bible says in verse 15, the company of prophets who were watching, they were watching from a distance, the spirit of, they saw the spirit of Elijah resting on Elisha. And they went and they bowed to the ground before him. They were standing at a distance. Just like we read in 1 Kings chapter 18 in the battle, they were standing in a cave afraid, watching. They were standing at a distance. They witnessed it happen. They witnessed Elisha pick up the mantle. Because of his persistence, Elisha was there to pick up the mantle of Elijah. The only thing that qualified Elisha over everyone else was his persistence. It was his persistence. Just think for a second. What if Elijah had told Elisha, stay here, I'm going to Bethel. What if Elijah listened? Right? What if Elijah was like, all right, I'll wait, I'll wait back for you, see you when you get back. What if that happened? What would the outcome of this story be? The only reason why Elijah saw Elijah get taken up to heaven, the only reason why he was able to pick up the mantle, the only reason why he was able to receive that double anointing wasn't because of his qualifications. It wasn't because of something he did or something that he was able to do. It was just the fact that he was there. It was just the fact that he was persistent, that he was always there. Sometimes all you need to do is be there. Sometimes all you need to do to respond to the call of God on your life to fulfill the call of God in your life, all you need to do is show up. All we need is some self-motivated persistence. Do you believe that? So the first thing we need, we need radical faith. We need to be able to burn the plow. We need to be able to leave something that we have in order to get what God has for us, right? The first thing we need to do is, is radical faith. The second thing we need is indubitable obedience. We need to have the no questions asked kind of mentality. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it's going to cost me. I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to jump all in. We need to have that kind of obedience. And the third thing we need, self-motivated persistence. Self-motivated persistence. We started this morning looking at a scripture in Matthew chapter 22. And I would just like to turn back there for a second. And it says this, it says, For, all, for many are called, but few are chosen. Everyone was invited, right? The king invited everybody to the feast, but not everybody showed up. God has called everybody. He's called every single person. He's called every single person in this room. God has a calling on your life. He has a purpose for your life. He has a destiny planned out for you. There is a calling resting on your life. And you're in charge of being chosen or not. The only people that were chosen were the people that showed up to the party. So I believe that God has a calling for every single person in this room. But that requires us to respond to that calling. We have to, we have to take a stand. We have to be able to respond. We can't just hear it. We can't just listen to it. But we have to respond to the call of God on our lives. And I believe that God might be tugging on somebody's heart this morning. I believe that God might be tugging on someone's heart right now. God might be calling you. 
And I believe there's some people you can feel it right now that God is calling you. I believe there's some people right now that are running from their calling. They're hiding from their calling because it, it's, it's scary. You don't know how it's going to work out. You don't know how you're going to be able to do it financially. You don't know. There's, there's people in here that are running from their calling. I want to encourage you this morning that there's never been a, there's never been a better time to respond than right now. If God is pulling on your heart, if God is calling you, there has never been a better time to respond to that call than right now in this moment. What's so amazing about the 1018 code is that it's not really about priorities. It's, it's not about that. When someone calls at 1018, what it means is it means drop everything you're doing right now and respond to this. That's what the 1018 signifies. And when God speaks to you, when God calls you, He's calling for a 1018. To respond to the call of God in your life, you have to be able to drop what's going on. You have to be able to drop what's going on in your life and just respond. You can't just sit back and put it off. You just have to, you, you have to respond. And so if there's anybody in this room tonight that feels God tugging on your heart, you feel God calling you, now's your chance to respond. Don't pass up this opportunity. So if that's you, if you feel God pulling on your heart, I just want you to lift your hand wherever you're at. Just real simple. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Wherever you're at, come on. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. We need to be able to respond. I want to give an option for anybody who hasn't received Jesus as their Lord and Savior of your life. It's the best decision you could ever make. It's the best decision. The Bible says that we're called to go out and preach the gospel. What is that? The gospel is simply this, that we were sinners. We were sinners and God saw that. He sent his son down to the earth to die on a cross for us. The Bible said that Jesus, he shed his blood for us and he covered our sin with it. And by doing that, he made us whole. He removed all of our imperfections. He took it all on for himself. And the Bible says that if we, if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, then we can be saved. And that's something that God wants for every single person in this room. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter how many failures you have. It doesn't matter where you're from. You have an opportunity right now to receive a second chance, to receive a brand new start. So with no one looking around, with everyone's head down, eyes closed, I just want to give an option for somebody to respond to that call, to the call of salvation. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand wherever you're at? Just lift your hand up. Don't think about it. Don't overthink it. Just throw your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I want to respond to the call of God. I want to respond to salvation right now. Come on, if that's you, just give it a moment. Amen, amen. Can we all stand together? Can we all pray together? Come on, how many of you guys want to respond to the call of God in your life? How many of you guys want to respond to that? I want my whole life to be surrounded around the calling that God has put in me. My goal in life is to accomplish what God has called me to do. Come on, is that you? Can we pray together? Well, Father God, we come before you right now, God, and I pray you would help us, Father God. Help us have radical faith. 
Help us, Father God, to have the faith that Elisha had, the faith to burn the plow, the faith to kill the ox, Father God, the faith, Father God, to leave everything behind and pursue what you have for us. Help us, God, have indubitable obedience, God. Help us have a no questions asked kind of yes, God. Help us, Father God, not worry about all the details, not worry about every individual thing, God, but help us just go fully in. Help us just say yes, God. Help us, God. Help us have self-motivated persistence, God. Help us, God, just to be there. Help us, God, to constantly always be by your side. Help us, Father God, that even when people try to stop us, even when people try to slow us down, that we would push through and that we would stick with it, God. Help us, Father God, remain faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.